I am Zarina Dimitrova, a strategic partner and mentor to businesses in the process of transformation. Join me on Grow and Learn as we explore a range of topics from personal development and career advancement to relationship building and financial management. With practical advice, inspiring stories and expert interviews, we'll give you the tools you need to thrive in every aspect of your life. Join us as we share insights and strategies that can help you achieve your personal and professional growth objectives. This is Zarina, your host from growandlearn.org, and I am welcoming today an interesting guest. As you know, I'm always bringing guests that are um, out of your average expectation. Today, I'm bringing Rose Ann Forte, and she's an um, alcohol-free coach. Roseanne, hello, and why would anybody want to listen to this episode? Hi, Zarina. Thank you for having me. And yeah, I... Um... I think people should be interested in this episode because I do, as you mentioned, I, I focus on helping people put alcohol to the side for 12 consecutive weeks. And statistically, um, 9% of the people in the world struggle with excessive use of alcohol, trying to figure out how to, how to stop. And if I round up, cause I like round numbers, like that's almost 10% of the world, one in 10 people. So if one of your listeners isn't one who struggles with this, they may very well know between, you know, at least 10 friends or relatives, somebody who is struggling. And I think it's important to understand, you know, the process that it takes. And this is a really positive approach to, to um, just seeing what's possible. So hopefully that that will help people. So the process you take them uh, through takes about three months. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. I use 12, 12 weeks. 12 weeks. Okay. And it, this is based on a book that you wrote, the devotional, um, the daily devotional. And right. it's a best-selling book. Yeah, um, it's a spiritual book. Tell us a bit more about it. What is it all about? What are the concepts that you've laid in the book? Yeah, yeah. So it is something called a daily devotional, and and that means that it is a resource for people um, every day. Because when we're creating a new habit, and I call it a habit because it's a neurological habit. There's a substance involved, and we need to get the substance out of our life. And that it that can be like three days, you know, everybody says, but then why is it harder on day four, right? Or two weeks to where your body balances out? Why is it hard on week three? That's because you're dealing with a neurological habit. And all of us can relate to that, right? All of us have some habit that we want to change. And it's like hard. And, and so this is... Um, this is a resource that can help people get past every day, every day, every day. And every day you develop, you know, a new pattern of thinking and behaving, it becomes easier and easier. So I like to use 12 weeks because it's a little different. A lot of the quick drinking programs out there go, well, you, you got a problem, you got to quit forever. You know, and so it it victimizes the person and I and and the kind of a re-drink rate is 
percent or higher, you know, when you're told like, I'm sorry, Zarina, you've got to stop something for the rest of your life. You're like, what? <laughs> Wait, no, you know? And so I say, let's just give it a chance. Let's give it 12 weeks because we can truly experience the changes, you know, um, a drinking habit can, um, or can cause your sleep to be really disrupted and then when your sleep's disrupted you're not as productive the next day um it can it is responsible for a lot of health consequences um high blood pressure people get stuck trying to lose weight it really um because your body processes alcohol as a toxin it's first trying to get rid of the toxin in your body before it processes any fat right um it certainly affects mental health uh, because I, I've been coaching high performers for quite a quite a few years, and even high performing executives go, "Uh oh, you know what's going on here? It's you know it's controlling me as opposed to me controlling it." And those people are used to like, "Hey, when I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it," and then all of a sudden. People find themselves super stuck, like, okay, only after five, only with other people, only on the weekend, um, only on special occasions, and they make promises to themselves, and then they don't keep them. And that really, really starts affecting our, for lack of a better term, mental health, you know, the joy in our life. So that's kind of what I... That's why it's 12 weeks to really get a pattern in place that will develop a new neurological pathway and and a documentation. The reason it's daily is because I want to remind people to see. It's also very um, spiritually focused. It's Christian focused. Um, and that was my experience. I, I went... I did my quit drinking challenge over three months in a secular program as a Christian, but I recognized, well, wait, I've, I know all this. I've heard all this before. Right. And the program that I used to coach in uh, that I went through was really expensive. And so I wanted to deliver um, a more affordable approach for people to um, experience this amazing benefit. And there's something um, in the United States called the National Institute of Health. And they're like the biggest grant makers for scientific studies in the world, actually. And they, um, th their studies show that you're 84% more likely to succeed um, quitting alcohol or drugs when God is involved. So, yeah, I'm going with the signs. Okay. And so you have a podcast with the same name as the book called The Daily Devotee. And do you have any clue or do you have feedback from your listeners what their success rate is following your program? Yeah, I, um, I don't have my podcast yet. I'm going to launch it uh, in a couple of weeks. It's called Say Goodbye and Imagine. Um, I am. Let me just back up. 
the re-drink rate or relapse rate, yeah. whether you're in rehab or mm. Alcoholics Anonymous or any other 12-step program, those are the most um, uh, known programs that there are. But the the relapse rate is, when I say, what would you say the relapse rate is You know, on those programs? And it's 95%. 95% or more. Some people go, oh, I knew that's... this about drugs. I knew this about drugs. I didn't know it was so high for alcohol as well. Yeah, it, it, it is. It's the same thing. It's the, the fact that you have to experience the same thing over and over again. So what I've seen in my experience is, and this is another reason it's 12 weeks, the rate of success and challenging somebody for three months is super high. As in, I, I don't have statistics, I'm going to be honest, and I'm just starting to track my own. Um, but I know this, that the success rate for getting somebody over a three-month period is very high. Um, that's because it's only 12 weeks. And the difference between this program is, and others is you're a victim to a disease or problem versus I try and empower people and understand the power of their choice. And it, it involves awareness. And so I want to teach people like, when you choose this, what happens? What's the lie? Like, oh, we, you know, that glass of wine, you romanticize over it, because that's what the advertising companies tell you, you know, it's, you're going to, land the guy or the girl, you're going to have a romantic evening, you're going to have loads of fun, right? We romanticize it. But I try and remind people that what's the truth? How, how did it really affect you? Um, so the good news is the success rate for that is super high. Do people drink after? They surely do. And, and what I've seen and what I've experienced over the, the years that I've been doing this they will come back and go, I felt so amazing. This is so good. Why did I do that? Right. And they'll want to quit again because they want what they had. They want to sleep better. They want more clarity. They want more joy, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think ultimately this approach is far more successful over the long term because they've given themselves long enough to know what the benefit that what the true benefit is of putting it to the side for a little bit right does that does that sound legit yeah, it, it's it sounds legit i'm also wondering why three weeks would be you kind of explained it why three weeks would be better than one year let's say where in the aa um they would i think the program is one year isn't it or it's actually four, forever so. they, they tell you you can never have a drink again uh-huh that is way too hard for the brain to imagine. And that was, and that's how I designed it. Because when I went into the program I went into, it was three months. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to quit forever. But I want to know what three months feels like, because I'm not sure I've ever done that. I know my body needs that detox, right? So I took the challenge. And by the end of it, I was like, wow, I'm thinner. My blood pressure's down. My joy is up. My self-confidence is up, right? I was like, this is amazing. And I do encourage people to 
stay the course for at least a year because every season brings challenges. You know, during the winter, it's the holidays. That's the challenge. During the summer, it might be barbecues. Um, you know, every season has its challenge. And so to just keep going and remember, and that's what we do a lot of in the 12 week coaching program, remember how great it feels and remember how good you feel in the morning. One of my uh, clients a few years ago coined the term and I use it all the time. She's like, you never regret not drinking the night before. ever. I'm always so happy. I chose not to drink in the morning. And that's not the case with the other. And I just think developing that awareness, if you have a temptation, you can more easily swat it, swat it away. Yeah. What is your story, though, of um, how did you I mean, um, I know that some people that uh, coaches that help other people get rid of alcohol have, have gone through this themselves. This is how psychologists in general get into psychology because they all they, they had to overcome this problem themselves. And now they have, they have the capacity to help other people. Um, so how what is your story? How did you yeah. get drawn into drinking? Yeah, thank you for asking. I um, was what they call a latchkey kid. So both my parents worked and I was left alone. And so in high school at 13 years old, I got into the liquor cabinet and was trying alcohol. And I think back then it was to fit in with my friends, you know. Um, And so, you know, I had engaged in that. And then I went to college and same thing only I think instead of to fit in it was just to have fun that's what kids did when they had fun and then I started in the business world and went up the corporate ladder and then it was you know happy hours and lunches and business dinners um and even in the boardroom like late at night on tv you know how you see somebody like grab the the scotch out of the cabinet and pour it. Like I was in that world (laughs) where that really happened Um, for a romantic time, whether it was a boyfriend or my then husband, there would always be alcohol involved with a romantic dinner. And then the stress of children and working and difficult marriage and then you start using it to, for stress, to check out. And, and of course, that's what our television programs show too, right? Most shows will show them, you know, cracking a beer, pouring wine after work and sitting down and having a conversation. And so, you know, for me, this took decades to build up to a problem. For some people, it can take a year. <laughs> um, it just depends on our DNA, But for me, it was decades. And by the time, you know, I go, wow, I have a problem. I want to, I need to cut back on this. Then it it was hard. I had taught my brain that if you want to have fun, you drink alcohol. If you want to fit in, you drink alcohol. If you want to be romantic, you need alcohol. If you want, you know what I mean? If you want to solve for stress, you need alcohol. I had, I had no idea how to live my life, any piece of it without alcohol. And it got to a point where I literally wanted to die. I, I had, I was going through a divorce. I had, I was diagnosed with 
major depressive disorder. And that's like, not just depressed, that's like seriously depressed. Um, yeah. And I just wanted to go away from the world. And um, it ended up that, and this is the case for a lot of people, you know, there's some big moment where you go enough is enough. I need to stop. My big moment was when COVID was coming three years ago in March of 2020. And I was watching the news of the Italian reports where bodies were just being piled up behind a hospital with no place to put them. And although I was praying to be gone from this earth, I apparently did not want to leave on a ventilator in a hospital by myself. And so that snapped me out of it. And I'm like, ah, I can't, I got to stop. And just, I don't know if people know this, I did, but excessive alcohol depresses lung function and the immune system. Two of two things which you needed a lot to survive COVID. And um, so that's when I joined my three-month coaching program and um, just found incredible transformation. And I just want to share with people because I know it, this causes so much secret suffering that there is such a better life outside and it's not impossible, even though your brain tells you these lies, like I can't live without it. I can't be romantic. I can't have friends. I won't fit in. I just, I look back and I can't believe the lies that I believed about this. Um, and I think when people kind of finally get it, I love my job because when people finally get it, it's just so fun to watch. So fun to watch. Yeah. And, and so you, your awakening was related to a shock, an outside shock, but how would people otherwise know when they have a problem? Usually people that find themselves in this situation um, don't realize they have a problem. They think it's normal. It's the programming of society, as you said, you know, you're supposed mm -hmm. to have sex, drugs and rock and roll. You know, the, the saying goes on. So um we are bombarded by these messages so it's perceived as normal so how do people know if they have a problem yeah or when so do they stop is, denying it yeah that is such a good question um there's there's a process that starts happening and the the process can take place and does take place over years and this is the very unfortunate thing that i really would like to convey it first starts with this acknowledgement whether it's weight or a hangover or noticing that you're more sluggish at work like wow I really need to stop this I really need to control this and so you start putting all those boundaries around it and all that there's this recognition of how hard it is right and you just keep having these horrible conversations with yourself about, um, you know, I've got to do this. Why can't I do this? I just, it's too hard. I don't want to drink till Friday, but then you have a Thursday event. You're like going to drink. And that's the process that people play with early on. And they're not going to tell you they have a problem. Nobody's going to say, but, but they know in their heart they do. Right. But they're that's gonna what I'm asking. I don't know if some people really know in their heart. 
Do you think? Yeah, you know? I talk about that. I think that um, based on my personal experience and the experience of clients, I would say they're denying it to you, but they understand the reality for themselves. Mm -hmm. um, I'll give you an example. I had a really good friend that was um, a an owner of a brewery, and I was invited to a um, a wine tour, and he was there along with a bunch of other friends that drank, and I wanted to go because I didn't want to be excluded from my friends, and I went and I didn't drink. And they noticed, so like, Roseanne, you're not drinking. And I was like, yeah, why or why? And I was like, well, I'm, I'm losing weight. I'm feeling great. I don't, you know, I, there's a lot of reasons why I want to continue this path. And my friend who owned the brewery said, ah, that feeling is so worth it. Like, you know, you know, nobody thinks a hangover is worth it, but what is it going to say? He's, He's the head of a brewery. And I, um, you know, I, I know for a fact that it's an issue, but I don't want to judge him. I know he's having his own struggles and um, people know they just want to make light of it because they don't want to be labeled. So that's the other important thing. And I, I'm not sure in your country, you call it alcoholic. Right. If somebody has an alcohol problem, is it alcohol? Alcohol, alcohol dependent. I mean, now people are becoming more sensitive about the topic. So it's political yeah. correctness in everything. And yeah, people are called. Yeah. So I'm trying to get dependent. rid of. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm trying to get rid of all the languaging that is causing a lot of shame that labels people. Because right. in the U.S., once you're an alcoholic, you're never not an alcoholic, right? They say, well, once you're a pickle, you can't be a cucumber, you know? And so nobody's going to admit, you might hear people go, yeah, I really need to cut back. And that's when you know somebody has recognized its effect. But that'll go on for statistically, according to the National Institute of Health, an average of four and a half years, they'll try and negotiate with themselves. And all the while, the problem gets more and more severe. You know, there, without question, any any person I've ever talked to in my own um, experience, every year your drinking will increase, and you'll need more and more of the substance to create the effect that you're looking for. And so, um, it's unfortunate, but over that four and a half years. It's just an awareness process. It's just people need to come to this to terms with, oh, I can't manage this on my my own like I like I want to. So I don't. Does that answer your question about what's you know? And then it usually does take an event, a diagnosis, a relationship problem, a really bad hangover, a fight with your spouse, a car accident. You know, for me it was COVID. Yeah, let's um, take a wake-up call. That's what I'm thinking. People don't usually take the action to admit it fully to themselves or like, yeah, to take action. Well, you're right that they're not admitting it fully that they need outside help, but mm. they know inside they got a problem, yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's why I just 
you know, it should be the same as Weight Watchers, right? Like there are any weight loss program, like, hey, I'm eating too much. I'm going to get help and accountability with, with losing weight. And that's what I like. You know what I mean? It's kind of like the same chemical dependency, chemical, psychological. Yeah. And emotional, but it's also emotions driving chemicals. Um, I wanted to ask you something else. Do you think that um, the reason why you managed to get out of it so fast or that this program, three-month program works for you is because of the social isolation? Because usually people relapse relapse when they um, engage in the same social activities, you know, mix with the same people. Because it's it's for, for a lot of people, it's socially driven. You don't yeah, really need- I... Um... I was, I was uh, quarantining, but I also was spending time with my neighbors who drank a lot. And in the coaching program that we have, we actually teach you how to be in social situations because in that particular program, once I graduated from that, I ended up being an enrollment and client journey coach and a lot of executives, um, and high-performing people who are forced to, you know, be in social situations with alcohol. And so we don't, I think at the beginning, if you don't feel confident enough to be in social situations, we tell you to do what you need to do to stay the course, you know, and that could be two weeks to a month, you know, but then we want to encourage people when they feel strong enough to go into those social situations to ready their mindset to succeed, to understand that they can have connection, they can have fun, they can wake up in the morning feeling energized and feeling bad for the people they left behind that will probably have an a hangover. So um, initially... If somebody feels uncomfortable with social situations, we go, yep, you know, then knock them off your calendar. Right now, there, I have a client that is in a um, a social group and they do big charitable events. And he, he had to learn how to go in. So we coached him through it. You know, everybody was supportive and it's the attitude, it's the mindset, you know, he was accountable to the rest of us for getting through it. And so, you know, it's everybody's individual. Mm. Some people don't have a choice, but to be into um, social situations. I've seen, I've seen bar owners go through this. And so that's a challenge, right? If you're a bar owner, I've Mm. talked to, um, what's the name of the, person that is a wine connoisseur um sommelier so much yeah sommelier and I um talked to him and I'm like well that's gonna be hard how are you a sommelier and not drink and he goes well it's pretty typical in the industry actually many will sip the wine and spit it back out yeah like this is how they this is how they give them the license they don't actually drink it yeah, and that's what he explained to me. And I was like, oh, so that's an example of somebody who also has to be around alcohol continually, but develop 
behaviors that make it okay for them to be. And it's just practice. It's uncomfortable. It's another concept that we talk about. Um, whenever we try and change something that's a neurological habit and we, you know, just apply anything to this, right? It could be looking at your cell phone, watching, binge watching TV. But when we try and change that habit, it's uncomfortable. And what I tell people is embrace the discomfort because that's the recognition that something's about to change. You know, when you kind of lean into the discomfort, that's a good thing. You're practicing something new. It's like taking cold showers. It's uncomfortable, yeah. but you're overcoming yourself. Um, I wanted to ask you something else. Uh, a lot of people go into this kind of um, behavior because, I don't know if you should call it behavior, attachment, uh, because um, they've it's gone both, through, it's both. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> because they've gone through emotional hurt and there's mm -hmm. been some trauma and you know the the temporary uh, abstinence won't necessarily heal the the ground cause of this yeah how how do you see such people dealing with it um i think that sometimes depending on the trauma definitely i believe in professional help so the difference between the program i went through which was really expensive and this one um, was you had some one-on-one -on -one coaching that would help people through the, the trauma and um there's i think people i have seen people very successful with that when they realize there's no alcohol. I'm having this stress. Wait, I didn't have any other methodologies to deal with the stress. So we do coach people about how to deal with stress, stressful situations and, and the like. I mean, if they've got major trauma that they haven't really dealt with, um, you know, that's beyond, especially in this program, I don't have one-on-one -on -one coaching. I have group coaching mm -hmm. and, um, and God, so that's why we focus on this program. We, we focus a lot on forgiveness of self and forgiveness of others. And when we can take those burdens off of our plate and put them on God's, it helps us move forward to be who we were created to be. So um, in reality, you know, if somebody needs professional help at the same time and that's it's really fun to or I like I was in a counseling office for three years prior to putting alcohol to the side and by the end of the three th I mean yeah I was in counseling three years and then when I put alcohol to the side for three months I I told her like I don't need you anymore <laughs> because that was the last piece of the puzzle that was keeping me down. And um, and I think a lot of people that have trauma have probably, I don't know what you think about this, but have probably spent a good amount of time and effort dealing with it in a professional environment. And I think they don't realize, I didn't, how much alcohol was affecting the rest of my healing. Does that make sense? Like mm -hmm. 
alcohol was the last piece that I wasn't being honest with myself about understanding the anger it caused in me because my body wanted a drug. Mm-hmm. And I, I used to think that anger was me and it was really my body desiring a substance and being aggravated. Um, so yes, they are definitely tied together. Trauma, anxiety, depression, and um, substance abuse. But I think people do need to know that when you solve for one, the other gets a lot easier. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because alcohol is creating more depression and it's creating more anxiety. Mm -hmm. And so if you take those off the the table, the anxiety and depression you have to deal with are a lot less um, and less pronounced. Yeah. So what can people expect when they join your group coaching? Some, what is the process? We, well, complete transformation. <laughs> <laughs> But approximately, what do you teach them in the, in the coaching? Or what well, do you facilitate? In, in my coaching, so what I've done is try, the coaching I went through has um, had private coaching and then group coaching. But you learned things based on what meeting you showed up for, right? Um, so if I showed up on a Monday, I'd learn this. If I showed up on a Wednesday, I'd learn that. So you'd miss, you'd only learn as much as you showed up. Um, so in this coaching, I said, what are the most important things that people need to understand by the end of the 12 weeks? So I, I designed curriculum you know, on the side, which is only 15 minutes to half hour, you're doing it yourself. And you're learning to find your gifts to process forgiveness to your you're learning about how your the science of your brain, how um, your thoughts lead to your actions. Um, you're looking at for your future self, like what does your future self look like? Um, so that's the curriculum, but then there's also group coaching, uh, three times a week and they can go once or three times. And every single time there's a particular lesson taught in there and it's recorded for future use in a private Facebook group. And so it's just real connection daily, the connection with your book and with God and with real people doing the same thing. And with learning all the important concepts. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. When you say curriculum, is this something that you individually coach them? Because you said you do only group coaching or do they just read this? Yeah, the curriculum exercises? is, it's a recorded session ah, that I, I put together because I don't want people to miss those most important foundational principles. So, you know, people are coming in, there's cohorts every month, right? This cohort. So somebody could be four weeks, somebody could could be day one, somebody could be eight, and somebody could be almost graduating. But you can't talk about forgiveness every week. People wouldn't show up, right? So that's why I put it outside. And if they have questions about it or how to process it, then they can bring it to coaching, coach, live coaching sessions. Mm. So. How big are your groups in general? And do people have um, uh, yeah just this is a fairly new business so i i can have like four or five people on a call 
Um, right now, it's designed to be a lot larger. So people that are in on the front end, they're getting a lot more personalized attention. So that's awesome. Yeah, I'm asking in case people want to be anonymous still, because at the beginning, because of the stigma, you know, you're saying there's no stigma there, but still there are other participants other than you. So um, yeah, well, that's so if you that, it's really, that's a good question, too. Because when you buy the book, there's lots of levels, right? You can do it by yourself. And some people have. You um, can see the book. Can you show it? Oh, sorry. Yeah. There you go. Um, plans? You, the I, I plans he has for me. Yeah. The plans he has for me. Okay. Um, when you buy the book, there's a QR code in the front of the book that gives you access to a private Facebook group. And you're not allowed to come in unless you buy the book. So that's step number one. Like, and I'm in there, I'm answering questions or I'm motivating them or I'm publishing articles. And every now and then I'm transferring one of the lessons into there. So you're getting activity and it's only people that have the book that want to do the same right and then there's the private coaching which is priced just to if you switch your alcohol what you're spending on alcohol to what you're spending on coaching you'll probably save money over 12 weeks um but in that case then you have the live coaching and you have the curriculum and then you have another private facebook group so we are taking all the precautions of having people feel comfortable at first because it is you're right it is it's so shameful for people and that's by the end of the 12 weeks i want to get i want to empower them to go oh my gosh i don't drink and i'm so happy i don't and people get there yeah people get there it just takes a little bit of time what's that sorry for interrupting go ahead no, they just have to take the time to go from I can't to I can, you know, because they've been telling themselves they can't do it for so long. But once they get to I can, it's a whole new new chapter in their lives. Yeah, that's very important. It's a, it refers to everything, not just alcohol. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. You're right. How, how can people reach you, Roseanne? The easiest way is www.theplanshehasforme.com and they can access the five um, foundational principles to uh, changing your relationship with alcohol. That's completely free. They can buy the book there on Amazon. I think in Austria, um, you have access to Amazon in the UK, right? I think Barnes and Noble. Well, the the podcast is available everywhere in the world, so the oh, listeners okay. are really yeah. uh, not from Austria. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. As a matter of fact, they're um, mostly from the US. Yeah, it is on Amazon. There's an Amazon link, but it's available at Barnes and Noble online. And uh, again, you know everything about the coaching program or the access to the free resource is at www.theplansyhasforme.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Oh, thank and you. Good luck. Good luck helping people. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Grow and Learn. We hope that you found our podcast informative, engaging, and inspiring. Our mission is to help you keep growing and learning, and we hope that our conversations and insights have provided you with practical advice and useful perspectives. 
If you're looking for personalized support and guidance to help you achieve your personal or professional growth objectives, I offer a range of services to help. As a trusted management partner and mentor, I work with businesses in the process of transformation, looking for new streams of business as well as M&A. With an extensive professional network of experts and mentors, I can bring on board the right person or team based on the specific needs of the company I'm working with. To learn more about the services I offer and how I can help you achieve your goals, visit my website at growandlearn.org. You can also reach out to me via email or social media. I'd love to hear from you. And if you enjoyed this episode of Grow and Learn, please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. Your feedback is important to us and it helps us to continue to create content that is relevant and valuable to our listeners. Thanks again for listening and we look forward to sharing more insights and perspectives with you in the future.